Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Gabriella Dominic and Hank Evers from the marketing department at the Diocese of Orange. And they are here to talk about some of the many happenings that are going on at the diocese, some things that a lot of people may not be aware of but are exciting, and I'm looking forward to having a really good conversation. But before we go too far as we do every time we meet, Hank, would you mind opening with a brief word of prayer? Rick, I'd be happy to. Good and gracious Father, we ask you to bless all of us this day and always, but to bless us with understanding and wisdom and grant us the strength, the courage, and the patience to go forward to do your will and to do it in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, the Diocese of Orange bought this property about eight years ago or so with a vision that it would be a place in the Southern California area to showcase our Catholic faith, to be able to reach out to the community at large and to bring to the community experiences of being Catholic that they otherwise might never have been exposed to. And correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that vision, I think, has been well embraced. We just opened the actual cathedral building itself. What used to be known as the Crystal Cathedral is now Christ Cathedral. It has been totally remodeled, redone. It's beautiful. If you haven't come to see both the grounds and this building, you need to come see it. But now that that's been open, that's been open now a couple of months, there are a number of other things that are going on here, and I, I want to be able to talk a little bit about that. First of all, what's been going on and, and where are we going in the future? What's happening here at the Diocese of Rick, there is, there is just an incredible number of events and activities that are occurring on the campus. But before... We really talk about some of the, the larger, the more important ones that will impact us going forward. I'd like to step back just a little and uh, speak to the strategic plan. Okay. okay. We have a strategic plan for the diocese that's relatively new, that's being rolled out by our bishops and by the presbyterate in our parishes. And our, the people in the pews are going to be hearing so much more about that as we do move forward here. Now, within the guise of the strategic plan, there are certain elements, and among those elements, and I would say almost in priority, the first is truly uh, the Great Commission. It's evangelization. And uh, there are, so, you know, when you look at something like evangelization, well, how do we do that? That's a very broad term. But now, as you mentioned, we have this this unprecedented property among the, the Catholic faith or within 
uh, the United States. We we have 35 acres that that's centrally located a mile from Disneyland, near all the freeways, with plenty of free parking. Well, there's an opportunity, you know, to bring people and to evangelize. But y- you don't want to just wear it on your sleeve. I mean, that's not how you evangelize. We have the opportunity to bring people here. So. One of the other uh, elements in the strategic plan is specifically Christ Cathedral. And if we look at that, we're really looking at, I would call it destination marketing, destination development. That is to say, bringing people to the campus so that we can touch them in one way or another to help them become better people, perhaps holier people. There are so many ways that we can do that. So now we look at, well, who is that audience? Who can we bring to this campus? Oh, you know, typically people will think, oh, you know, well, you've got a diocese. It's the city or the county of Orange. And uh, according to statistics, there's 1.2 million Catholics and all that good stuff. And, yes, that's true. We want people from Orange County to come to our campus. But then you look again, geographically, at where we are, we're located a little more than a mile from Disneyland. And if you look at the the actual statistics for this area, the area, Visit Anaheim, has this, the statistics, and we draw into this area 25 million people every year. Okay, 25 wow. million. Of the 25 million, 17 million visit Disneyland, right? And another 8 million visit the Anaheim Convention Center. So now we're looking at a really large population that's coming into the area. And then as marketing people, Gabriella and I are always looking at how do we reach out? How do we get those people onto our campus? You know, and for what reason? Okay, what is the deliverable? How will they be better people by coming to our beautiful campus. So the first thing is that we have the actual location itself. And the location is not only a beautiful campus, but it's surrounded by attractions that are bringing in a lot of other people, Catholics, non-Catholics, lots of people from all around to be visiting the area. So now the question is, can we get them here in order to give them some impact on Catholic faith? That's correct. And and so we can look at several reasons for them to come. What are the motivating factors? What is their motivation? Well, Let's look at this campus from a historic perspective. It was Crystal Cathedral. Wow, Crystal Cathedral. Well, Crystal Cathedral was the home of what? It was the home of the Hour of Power. The Hour of Power. Hmm. Hour of Power is the fourth longest-running television series in the history of television. And, gosh, in its heyday, it was not that long ago, it was broadcast in 156 countries. That means that there are people, and there are, we know it, from all over the globe that come to Southern California. Maybe they're not coming just to see us, but they may come for Disneyland or what have you. But when they're here, it's a pilgrimage to see what was Reverend Schuler's Crystal Cathedral. They want to see this kind of glass palace that they saw on television or even the Arboretum where he used to preach out into the parking lot. So, yeah, I mean, that's a draw in and of itself. So we have the historical aspect, which is really big. Um, number two, we have the newest cathedral in the United States. And we have the only Catholic cathedral in the United States that 
is a used cathedral. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Um, every other cathedral in the United States was built to be a Catholic cathedral. Ours was purchased from a Protestant denomination, and it was reformed, if you would, into a Catholic cathedral. Oh, I like so, that. that I mean, it really, it. It's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> and it was the reformed church. It that was. We purchased it absolutely it was. That's yeah. where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're having a little fun with that. But it's... Um, well, and I want to emphasize that point. Oh, sure. We're having fun with that, partly because, and I don't, I want to make sure that our audience does know this, Reverend Schuler was happy we bought it. Very there there were issues financially within his organization towards the end that put him kind of in a, a crisis of sorts. And there were other buyers that were interested in coming in to deal with this property. And he was thrilled that, the, that Jesus Christ was going to continue to use this in ministry. That's correct. In fact, I, I can share with you and with the listeners that back in 20, we... we I guess you could say we acquired it in November of 2011 in bankruptcy court, and we closed escrow on February 3rd, 2012. But in 2012, shortly after closing escrow, we had a meeting of the presbyterate, and there were, I recall, 187 priests that were brought to the campus for a tour to see the future home of our diocese. And uh, they were given a tour, and then they were given a presentation. And I worked with uh, Bishop Brown on the presentation and, you know, forwarded the slides and what have you. He got to the end of it, and um, there was a little surprise. He said, we have a guest to speak to you this morning. I pushed the button, the drapes opened, and there was Reverend Schuler getting up out of his chair. Slowly, he walked <laughs> over to the podium, leaned against it. He had the pregnant pause, and then he said... This is my first opportunity to speak to my mother church. And when he said that, I'll never forget. I mean, my jaw dropped, but so did the jaws of just about everybody there. He referred to Bishop Brown as his bishop. And he went on to say, he said, I built this campus for Christ. And he said, only the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church, has 2,000 years of taking care of, you know, really looking after sacred art and architecture. Yeah. I remember he said, it's a gift. And then he paused again and he said, well, not really because you guys paid for it. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> he always had a great sense of humor. He did. He really did. And then he stayed here as, as a presence until the day he died. Yes. We're broadcasting from the eighth floor of the Tower of Hope, but he continued to have an office which was an entire floor on in the Tower of Hope until he yeah. passed away. Yeah. This still was very much a part of his life, even yeah. after we transitioned. I say that because this is not uh, somehow a hostile takeover. Oh, my this, gosh, no. This was no, yeah. a transition yeah. that I think he prayed for an awful lot. Yeah. And so what we're able to do here with this campus is something that does still continue that trajectory of some of the vision that he had when he was doing Hour of Power to where he we now have the opportunity to take it in the direction that is more Catholic or universal, where go. we're yeah. going into That's right. Catholic faith. Yeah. So things have changed, yeah. but things are still in a, in a continuing trajectory. Oh, they, they clearly are. And um, I, I'm sure that, that, well, those listeners that have had the opportunity to visit the campus uh, multiple times have seen that it's a work in progress, and it's an amazing work in progress. Um, we have completed the renovation, the interior uh, of the restoration of the interior of the cathedral, 
and it is absolutely sterling. It's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, venue experience for worship, for prayer. I think anybody who visits and sees that has to walk away shaking their head saying this is one of the best things that's happened to uh, the Catholic Church. This was also a venue where when he did the Hour of Power, he brought in a, a very well-known bishop to also speak here at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you tell me a little bit about that, Hank? There's a, a statue that's being, uh, I understand, refinished that is going to be brought out on him as well at some point. Okay, well, let me put a little cl- clarification on that. So Reverend Schuler and and the Crystal Cathedral Ministries had crafted four statues, one of Norman Vincent Peale, one of Billy Graham, one of Reverend Schuler, and one of Reverend Schuler's, I guess he really referred to him uh, on numerous occasions as a mentor, and that person is Archbishop Sheen. And these statues in bronze are life-size, and they're absolutely beautiful. They're, they're so beautiful. All four statues are here on campus. The four statues are owned still by the family, and there are ongoing discussions, and we hope to have them resolved soon, a very amiable discussions, whereby uh, we're hoping at a minimum that we'd be able to, to receive as owners that piece of property, the Archbishop Sheen statue, Uh, but truly all four would be wonderful to have on display, as uh, uh, Reverend uh, Schuler did. So, yeah, and the timing for that, too, is just unparalleled because Bishop Sheen is, I'm sure, going to be canonized in the not-too-distant future. They're they're in process. And and the importance of all this, too, it's not just that uh, Archbishop Sheen was a mentor, a friend, and, you know, someone that, that he greatly admired, but Reverend Schuler had... Archbishop Sheen preach here on this campus multiple times and preach from the parapet, if you would, in the Arboretum. So he was preaching on the Hour of Power and seen, again, through Reverend Schuler's ministry throughout the world. We have been talking with uh, Hank Evers, and in a few minutes we're going to bring in Gabrielle into the discussion as well. We're talking about some of the things that are happening on campus. We've talked a little bit about the past. When we come back, I want to jump into where we're going into the future with the Christ Cathedral campus and all the happenings that are going on. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today are two guests from the Department of Marketing here at the Diocese of Orange, Hank Evers and Gabriella Dominic. And Gabriella, we haven't heard a whole lot from you, so I'm going to ask you if you could do me a favor, please. We've been talking a little bit about all of the past stuff and how we got here. Mm-hmm. What's been going on and where are we going on in the future? What's, what's happening at the diocese? There are so many things happening. Two key events that are coming up very soon. Um, it's Catholic Night at Honda Center. So that's going to be happening on February 21st. It's the Friday of the Religious Education Congress. And that will bring, you know, a lot of Catholics from around the world. And we have that as, you know, an, an evening of fellowship and fun for all the Catholics here in Orange County. Okay. I'm going to want to talk a lot about that yeah. and find out how to get tickets to that. So that's very good. Yeah. 
What else is going on? We also have the Sistine Chapel exhibit here um, on Christ Cathedral campus. That's been extended, hasn't it? Yes, it has been extended. Because no one likes to go to this thing. <laughs> no, this has been a spectacular success. It really has. We've yeah. had huge numbers of people come in, which is why we've extended this. Yes. So uh, describe that briefly. Yeah, so it's bringing Michelangelo's frescoes from the Sistine Chapel in Rome in life-size, up-close-never-seen-before perspective here at the Cultural Center. So that's the former Welcome Center um, of the campus. The people who have seen this, the first reaction is, wow, you can actually see it. Mm-hmm. You can't see it very well when you go to the Vatican. You have to look up with a whole bunch of people all around you while they're all chatting and stabbing pictures or do whatever they're doing. And here you can actually see it. You can look at it. You can study it. You can... You can have a spiritual experience in working through what Michelangelo was doing. That's so true. Yes. By the way, Rick, uh, you know, those that have been to the Sistine Chapel know that they don't allow you to speak. They don't want the, the your phone on. You have to keep moving. And to, to really see those frescoes up on the ceiling, <laughs> you know, you're looking up over 60 feet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And, and it's uh, such along. a thrill because yeah. I've been there several times. I, I know the feeling, and it's just awesome. But you're right. The opportunity, the ability to stand right in front of each of the 34 frescoes and study them, Oh, my gosh, it's just marvelous. It truly is. Yeah, and to learn a lot about them. You can read about them because there's something there, and we have audio guides, in fact, in six languages. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And then I understand that when we dedicated the cathedral building itself, there was one important part that wasn't dedicated at that time because it was still being refurbished, but the dedication for that's coming up very shortly, Mm. I think in May of this year, what are we talking about? That's talk- the Hazel Wright organ. Now, what's this Hazel Wright organ? What's that about? So it's the fifth largest organ in the world, and it was donated by uh, Mrs. Wright, who was a, a faithful listener to Dr. Schuler's Hour of Power. And so um, now the organ is called Hazel. Okay. And so the organan has made you know a trip to Italy for... Refurbishment. It's, it's had its own adventures. Yeah, oh, then, it really has. And then it was brought yeah. back here and was stored in Irvine for a while. Now it's being uh, fine-tuned um, pipe by pipe, and so the rededication will be fabulous in May of this year. Over 16,000 pipes. And, and here's the thing. When Reverend Schuler was in the Crystal Cathedral Ministry was operating the cathedral, um, the cathedral itself, we have to remember, did not have air conditioning. And as a result, it was a little toasty in there. And as a result, they had the windows open quite often. He also had a 90-foot, you know, the cathedral itself has a 90-foot door. So it's nine stories tall uh, of glass. And, and it's behind, they really didn't have an altar per se, but it yeah. was behind the area where he would preach. I and, remember, it, and, it could open the whole it, building. That's right. Yeah. So so he would oh, have that open. Now, now, let's think about that for a minute. He loved the outside, and he loved God's nature, and that's why it's never crystal, but glass, you know, so you could see the heavens and the birds. Well, the birds could also see us and get into the cathedral, as could other insects and all kinds of dust, pollen, and God knows what. And it did. It came into the cathedral, and over the decades, it wound up, you know, resting, residing inside the pipes of the organ. So, well, and then you mentioned the temperature differential. Oh, that has and a lot to do. Those of us who play instruments know that's deadly for your tuning Precisely. and can create permanent problems, yeah. permanent unless 
you have it totally refurbished, which is exactly what the diocese has done. Right. And, and so you're right. So now it, the, the cathedral itself, of course, is now air conditioned. And we have the quatrefoils as well to keep the temperature for the, the sound of the instrument. That's right. So the quatrefoils are up towards the ceiling and those are actually like um, mini curtain type things up there in order to regulate how much sun reflects through at any one time. That's correct. But, you know, the other thing about the quatrefoils that really makes them so beneficial to the ar- overall architecture is the fact that they reflect light. Now, in the past, the crystal cathedral, if you had the lights on at night uh, and you looked above the floor, everything from above the floor to the ceiling or the top glass would be dark because light would go straight through the glass. But now we have the quatrefoils with LEDs behind them so they can be lit, and now you get a real feeling in the evening. I mean, during the day, of course, it's beautiful. But like they're like sails almost, you know. They, right. they give you that beautiful feeling, but you still have the open, the openness, the open feeling, you know. So you can see, still see nature, but you're you're not distracted and you're not blinded by the light and you're not baking inside. So anyway, all those things really work to our favor. This was not part of the design for the cathedral, but as I was looking more into quatrefoils, actually. And um, in church history, you know, the four sides can also represent, you know, the four gospels. So yes. it was it, it happened to be a some people say it's coincidence, but I like to think of it as also God's prophet. Yeah, there, are, there are no coincidences <laughs> yeah. at the end. Yeah. When I was in seminary at a back before I became Catholic. Yes, I am a convert. Oh. That's but, wonderful. But um, I took a course. It was the only course I took that really wasn't one of these hardcore theology courses. Bach is biblical interpreter. And most of it was sat listening to the, the 80-year-old Kapellmeister play the Orgel Buchlein on the organ in the main chapel there. And one of the things I learned about chapels and organs is that the organ and the chapel are one piece, mm. that the organ and the cathedral are one piece. Because in the end, that entire cathedral is the resonating chamber, yeah. and it is what produces the sound, both with and without people present and all of the things that are involved in that. When you create an organ, you're creating an organ for that building, and that building becomes one, which is why this renovation is so important for that organ. One of the most important things to it is it's now going to be a unique instrument that's never been heard before until we actually turn that thing on in May. And and that's big. That's going to be quite a dedication, quite a celebration. So when we come on that celebration, that's going to be in May, May 15th and 16th and 17th. And the people who want to know more about that information can visit a website, hazelsback.org. So it's H-A-Z-E-L-S-B-A-C-K, hazelsback.org, in order to find out how to take part in that celebration. And then it'll be, of course, what it's going to be played every Sunday Mass, and people are going to be able to enjoy it. But we're going to be having a quite a celebration there. There's new music that's being composed for it. What can you tell us a little bit about that celebration that's coming up? I think the uh, when you go to that website, you'll see who is coming to town. And there, there will be at that, those events absolutely world-renowned organists. Um, this will be probably the biggest event for any true organ enthusiast in the country. 
it's it's really quite exciting. But you know, Rick, one thing I do want to mention you um, you were talking about how there are no coincidences, and you use the word uh, providential. There's one fact that always will stand out in my mind about this campus and its um, acquisition by the Catholic faith, and that is and and uh, Reverend Schuler's intent to have that happen. And that is a photograph that we have that was taken in 1982 in the Vatican. And it's a picture of uh, what I think is a relatively young saint, uh, Pope John Paul II, along with a relatively young Reverend Schuler. The two of them um, together shaking hands under uh, Reverend Schuler's arm. You can see, you can see the actual drawing, uh, rendering of, for this campus. And he had gone to the Vatican to have the plans for this campus blessed by John Paul. Now, <laughs> could it be any more providential? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that, that in and of itself really blows my mind. And it's amazing, too, because I was told that Schuler's folks um, had advised him not to do that. Oh, really? And, wow. Yeah, and that Pope John Paul's folks advised him not to do this as well. Oh, you know, wow. That was back in the day. <laughs> but, but you know, it, whether that's true or not, I'm yeah. not sure. I've heard that. But, but it doesn't matter. The, yeah. the fact is they were together. The, the fact anyway. is the Holy Spirit was there. That's right. And uh, here we have the result, the net result, which is so cool. That is cool. It's a great story because, again, at these events that we're, we're able to have, such as what we just had not long ago, the actual building's dedication, which again, this is this was the dedication for the first time of a, of the Catholic cathedral here. So all of the rituals and ceremonies that go into that is what we experienced: the blessing of the altar and all of the the oil everywhere. And how how much that I think was the highlight where yeah. where uh, Bishop Van sloshed oil on on everything and everywhere around to to relish in in uh, in the symbolism of all of that. But also, as you know, we're, again, we're having this uh, celebration with the Hazel Wright organ that comes back in. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate that ecumenical heritage that is present in the building itself and in the people that have historically and continuously been celebrating Jesus Christ within those walls, again, singing, using this organ. When people actually go to that site, and I, it will route you to either the hazelsback.org or to christcathedralmusic.org, the organ itself, it has five keyboards on it. We're talking about this huge, huge organ. Uh, and people are going to be able to see that again in May, May 15th, 16th, and 17th. David Ball, Stephen Ball, Michael Barone, Diane Bish, David Crean, Paul Jacobs, Hector Oliveira, and Frederick Schwann are all going to be there. This is going to be a great event to be able to. Paul Jacobs and Hector Oliveira are world-renowned. I mean, absolutely world-renowned from what I understand. And I, I'm not necessarily an organ aficionado, but I have heard, I do know, and I have read that just those two alone, the others are all great, don't get me wrong, but uh, those two coming to town to play the organ in concert is going to be quite an experience. And to hear this organ oh, as yeah. a unique organ with this reset into its echo chamber, it, this is going to be a spectacular event. And that's only part of what we're doing here as we've been talking. There's a number of things that are happening all within that grand master plan of how do we reach out and evangelize the people that are around here. Mm -hmm. 
You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today are Gabriella Dominic and Hank Evers from the Department of Marketing here at the Diocese of Orange. And when we come back, we're going to talk about ducks and the Anaheim Ducks and how you can participate in that and that as an evangelistic activity. We will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Hank Evers, who's the Director of Marketing for the Diocese of Orange, and Gabriella Dominic, who's also in the office there. And both of you have had the unique opportunity of being able to visit the Vatican and to see personally and observe the Sistine Chapel in its in its reality, in its actual experience. You, Gabriella, were there very recently. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I was in the I was in the Vatican actually um, in March, so a month before the exhibit was brought to Orange County, I was there for a, a conference, and I had the opportunity to tour and to see the Sistine Chapel uh, firsthand. And it was nothing that can be described in words. It was I was in awe of the history and the beauty and everything. Though we didn't have a lot of time there at the Sistine Chapel itself, and we could not take pictures there. Um, But it was such a meaningful moment. And um, knowing that we can bring a little bit of Rome to Orange County is something that is very special, something that's very beautiful. Part of the strategic plan is that the Diocese of Orange wants to bring more youth and young adults to be more involved in the life of faith um, personally and also um, how they invite other people to journey together in faith. I think one of the things that struck me um, as um, as a young professional is that how Michelangelo was 33 years old when he started painting the frescoes of the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And so I think that's like, you know, what does it mean to, you know, to work heartily to serve God and not men? And seeing, you know, in the, the paintings of the Sistine Chapel, you know, it starts at Genesis and ends with the Last Judgment. And here we are, you know, in the middle of this God story, right? And, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. And what a gift it is for us to be able to bring a little bit of that part of Rome here to Orange County for the faithful uh, of all ages to come and experience and reflect on that beauty and invite a friend, um, you know, whether or not they're Catholic, you know, just come and enjoy and see it as art or see it as a, a reflection experience. But it is, um, if you take your time, you know, it takes about 90 minutes and it's beautiful. We had James Day on who works actually with EWTN here on campus as well. But he has done a series of articles on the Sistine Chapel display here at the Diocese of Orange. And we focus quite a bit on some of the theological meanings that Michelangelo brought into it. This truly was his work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these truly are Western versions of what you would call icons, mm-hmm. where an icon, you don't paint an icon, you write an icon for icon creators. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's the word of God that's being expressed in the artist's work to bring about an understanding. So when you're sitting there and looking at say, the panel that's dealing with the flood scene. There you've got the big box floating in the background. You've got the water there, and you've got these people coming up. And you get to look into the faces of these people that you can only see from a distance in Rome. 
here you get to see up close and personal what each one of these faces looks like and mm-hmm. what they're dealing with and what they're not dealing with. And then you realize as you're looking at the at the box floating in the background, it's not like a boat that you normally would see. It looks like the Ark of the Covenant Indeed. and the theology behind what right. that means, yeah. that God is, yeah. is still continuing his faithfulness to humanity, even if these are being left behind. Mm-hmm. It's just so much theology that gets stuck there. And yet there it is for us to be able to see in a unique way that is an opportunity for people throughout Southern California while it's still here. Mm-hmm. You know, to add to what Gabriella said, and you said that so beautifully, Michelangelo was 34 when he started the... 33. Pro- thir- excuse me, 33. Wow, that's a key number. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 33 <laughs> when, when he started the frescoes, the ceiling frescoes, and it took him four years to complete those. But he was called back mm-hmm. into the Sistine in his elder years. Yeah, he was 61. That's right, 61 years old when he was commissioned to paint what I think is the masterwork. I mean, they're all beautiful, but to me, the masterwork is indeed the last judgment. And we are so blessed. And I think anyone who had the opportunity to visit the the exhibit prior to, I think it was October, November, mm-hmm. really needs to come back because we now have hanging in the Cathedral Cultural Center um, the full scale, that is a 40-foot by 40-foot rendering that is actual size. People don't of, realize how big the, this is. I mean, it's just, it's monstrous. Yeah. That's four stories. It, it's monstrous but and beautiful. Uh, and, and, Rick, you were alluding to um, just the, the magnitude, the impact that, that viewing this art can have. Well, this Last Judgment, when you look at it surrounding Christ, you have th- over 390 individual characters. I mean, can you imagine? And again, starting, he, it, it took Michelangelo four years to complete the ceiling frescoes. Right. It took him four years to complete the Last Judgment. Yeah. And again, it is a masterpiece. And the theology that's expressed behind is, that. Yes. Yeah. You um, could, you could stare at that. You could study that if you yeah. wanted to for hours. Okay. You know, it's just, it's, wow. There's a, in the actual Sistine Chapel, it's actually the backdrop behind an altar. And so where the priest would hold up the host at the climax of the of the consecration, it would cover the entrance to hell. There's a cave there in the middle of the bottom middle of that mm-hmm. meeting with these these horrible creatures kind of peeking out. And the host would just cover that as a reminder to anyone who was present and looking at that that the gates of hell do not prevail against this and this is the remedy for And they're them. looking at salvation, right? They're there. looking at it and can't have it. That's right. Oh, absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. Indeed. But um, again, the exhibit is so, so impactful for our campus. Um, Rick, we have already drawn to our campus. That exhibit has drawn over 42,000 people. And that's why it's been extended. Yeah. Um, every month, more and more people. We're now seeing, on average, about 150 people a day. Uh, Monday through Friday, and around 200 or more per day over the weekend. Word of mouth has spread. We have people coming from all over. But I did mention to you that in our destination marketing campaign, we've been reaching out to those who come to Southern California, specifically Orange County, through an organization by the name of Visit Anaheim. It's uh, Visit Anaheim is a marvelous organization that brings together all of the hotels. There are 99 hotels in Orange County that are r- roughly, you know, four-star type yeah. plus. Yeah. 
And so they're all partners, and we became a partner of Visit Anaheim. And as a result, we're able to, if you would, address the concierges and, you know, the property managers. So we can make an impact for the hotels, providing their guests with uh, a very affordable, wonderful alternative to Disneyland or addition to Disneyland. When they come to the Mouse House and they've been able to see all that, it's time to also reflect a little bit on what's inside of us, our spirituality. Exactly. And they have an opportunity to do a pilgrimage while they're here uh, for other purposes. And that's actually Mm -hmm. a very redeeming quality to being able to Redeeming and affordable. So let's look at the price. It's $18. $18 is the top price. That's for adults. $12 for um, military and uh, senior citizens. And then we have $10 for children. And young children are free. Mm -hmm. So... It's uh, it's quite an opportunity. But, yeah, the Visit Anaheim has been really productive. And working with them, we started working with an organization by the name of Where Traveler. Now, Where Traveler is a publishing house that uh, produces a magazine that goes into every hotel room, every hotel room in every hotel in the county. I mean, probably in the world because they are international. But in Orange County, uh, the Where Orange County Magazine has now, uh, for the past uh, six months and looking forward, has an ad for our our diocese and for the cathedral and the exhibit. Um, we had an opportunity, though, a wonderful opportunity, kind of a last-minute thing. These things happen. They have a guest book. It's like a coffee table book, beautiful, a, a great cover, and, you know, it's just top-shelf material. They have um, this coffee table book that they place in every room in all 99 hotels that um, was published, to be published um, in October, and it stays in the hotel room for a year. Now, people take them because it doesn't say don't take, and there's no price tag on it, you know, and they're really beautiful. So the hotels typically have one and a half per room. That's the number they they factor. And uh, in this book, right in the center is a beautiful full-page ad for Christ Cathedral. And honestly, it is one of the most beautiful pieces. It it shows off, it illustrates beautifully the interior of our cathedral, the exterior. It, it shows um, the exhibit um, and all that we do. And it even provides mass time. So we have that and contact information at the bottom. So uh, it's a way, again, get back to, we'll get back for a moment to the strategic plan and evangelization. Well, you have people come into town. They're looking for something to do. Where do they look? They're in the hotel. They have the magazine. They look through that. We're there. They pick up the coffee table book. They look through that. We're there. Those are really important. But then there's a third area where, um, we're exploring now for the very first time for the diocese. Our office just finished crafting an eight, it's, it's a four-fold, eight-panel rack card that wow. beautifully illustrates everything we have on our campus. And this will be, by the end of this month, in 204 racks in just north Orange County and in the uh, airport. So the people who visit these, you know, we talk about 25 million people mm-hmm. who are here in North Orange County each year. 
when they arrive at the airport, they're looking for something. And, of course, there's Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm and, you know, all these different things to go see and do. But among all of those, popping out beautifully is Christ Cathedral. I think what is also important to mention is that this is not just another record, but this is an invitation for people um, life is full of surprises, and this is an opportunity, an invitation for people, Orange County visitors, to come here, enjoy the county, but also to live more fully. And uh, we think of our cathedral as a, a house of prayer for all and a spiritual home. And so this is really the the heart, at the heart of what we are doing is not just marketing the campus, but really inviting people to live more fully and to live more joyful with Jesus. And those are people of all faiths and people of no faith. Well, and that's part of the point is that we're reaching out to the people that are perhaps interested. They've got a reason to come. There's a Mm -hmm. beauty that's here and maybe they'll receive a little of Christ while they're here. Mm -hmm. I, I would point out one more thing that has to do again with that evangelization. And it's part of that whole new evangelization. How do we reach the people who are also here you said there's about 1.2 million Catholics. They've not all made it here to the campus, have they? Oh, my gosh. No. Which right. means that while we're talking on the air about how tourists can come and, and see this, people who live here, who are listening to this radio broadcast, this is open through August. They need to get here. There's need, no doubt. They need yeah. to take a look yeah. at this to be able to see what Michelangelo has done up close and personal, to meditate on it, to take your time. You can walk at your own pace through that exhibit. Nobody will rush you, like they do in the real Sistine Chapel. Mm-hmm. And it will it's an opportunity to do your own private pilgrimage and to have some prayer time and downtime. Mm-hmm. And then if you've never been able to be on campus to attend a Mass, either uh, formerly in the Arboretum or now in the cathedral itself, you need to come. When we come back, I want to talk some ducks. So, All right. Sounds but good. But with that in mind... Again, we go back to the the strategic plan was about reaching out and doing evangelization with this campus. And these are all methods that we're using. When we come back, we're going to talk about a, a fun activity for us to be able to, again, reach out to, to bring people to Christ. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Hank Evers and Gabriela Dominic, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today, and I want to make sure I, I pause for a moment and thank profusely, with me today is Gabriela Dominic and Hank Evers, who are from the Department of Marketing here at the Cathedral. Who would have thought that we have a marketing uh, department, but we do, and it's it's actually, if you think about it, it's the evangelization department in a whole different way. Exactly. Yeah, it's That's a different correct. kind of evangelization, but it's evangelization. It's how do we get people to look at this place as a center to come to to experience Christ. And that's what you're selling. Thank you so very much for bringing your product here to market. (laughs) This is uh, about letting people have an experience of Jesus Christ. We've been talking about some wonderful things. We talked a little bit about some of how we got here with Robert Schuler and how he very much was thrilled to have the story of this place continue as a center for Christ and to experience Christ here at the center. We've talked a little bit about how we've been able to experience in this most last couple of months both the dedication of the cathedral itself, the upcoming uh, dedication of the Hazel Wright organ in May, and then how we've also been able to talk a little bit about this beautiful display of Michelangelo's work. 
But we also have some other activities that are coming up, and I understand for those of us who like sports and ducks, Hank, what can you tell us about what's well, going on? You know, Rick, down? what's so cool about what we have planned is that we're taking, if you would, our Catholic identity and providing a forum for fellowship uh, in a very secular arena. You know, we're, we're taking it over to the Honda Center. This will be our fourth annual, and I, I'm convinced this is going to be the biggest. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. But what we have is Catholic Night at Honda Center coming up on uh, Friday, February 21st. The game time is 7 p.m. Gabriella earlier in the program had mentioned that that is the opening day for Religious Education Congress at the Convention, uh, convention Center. Center. But, um, you know, you, you, we look at that, and there's 40,000 people that are coming to town or will descend upon the Convention Center. And, uh, All right, let's talk about that for yeah, just a moment. sure. So the Anaheim, this is the Congress, the one yeah. from La, the Los Angeles Archdiocesan Education Congress. It's the Los Angeles in Orange County. Right, oh, but they've oh, always yeah. done it down yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I spent 25 years in Catholic education, so I've been there many times to that, that Congress. And there's lots and lots and lots and lots of things to do, but by the third day, you want to get out of there. <laughs> so to be able to have a concert or to be able to go to an event is always longed for by people. So anyone who's thinking right now about what they're going to be doing in February, we have time to be able to get them involved with this. So this is in February. It's Friday mm-hmm. of the weekend of the Anaheim Congress, uh, the Religious Education Congress. Right. And so every teacher, every catechist uh, in Los Angeles and for most of the dioceses around here, the Diocese of Orange, the Diocese of San Bernardino, they're going to descend on this. Right. And so what and so, do you have? So what we have is an opportunity for them. Um, on that Friday, the convention center closes at 5 o'clock. And, of course, that would be a great time. to How either, convenient. You know, it really is <laughs> because we're only, you know, we're we're – Probably what a three to four dollar Uber drive to the Honda Center, so you can have dinner wherever in the area. There are so many restaurants you can have it right there at RE, or you know you can come over straight to the Honda Center and have dinner. Be there early for fellowship. But uh, bottom line is uh, game time is seven o'clock, and we're making it um, just easy, really easy for the people that are already up there. Now, if people are interested in this, I'm going to get this out a couple of times just to make sure that. They've got the information for it. They can go to anaheimducks.com slash Catholic Night in order to find out more information on getting tickets for this event. So that would be anaheimducks.com slash Catholic Night. Uh, and that'll take them to a place where they can order tickets and find out more information on That's it. correct, both. And, you know, here's the, here's the great thing, too. When you do go to that portal, that's where... Uh, you can purchase reduced price tickets. Okay? Oh, we like so you're going to pay less, right? Yeah. Which is really good. But not only that, not only will you save money in buying your tickets through that portal, but if you buy your ticket through that portal, that guarantees several things. That guarantees that you're going to receive a really special Ducks Catholic Night hat. And these are like NHL quality. They're approved. These are high-priced quality hats. So you're going to receive a unique commemorative hat for the evening. You're also going to receive a wristband. And here's what's cool about the wristband. That'll get you onto the ice after the game. So Rick, oh, very cool. if you want, if you want, and you have a wristband, you right after the game, you'll be able to go down onto the ice and do several things. 
we're going to have nets set up on the ice, and the Ducks will have their street team out there with uh, with the sticks and the pucks, and we're going to let you try your shot at slap shotting into <laughs> into the net, right? It, it, a lot of fun doing that. So that's part of it. But also on the ice, we're going to have Wild Wing and the Zamboni. So it's an opportunity to have your picture taken on the ice at the Honda Center with Wild Wing or with the Zamboni. I mean, how many people have been able to do that, to go onto the ice at the Honda Center? Very few. But if you buy your ticket through our portal, you're pretty much guaranteed. The first 1,000 people that purchase tickets will receive the hat and the wristband and have that opportunity. So this would be something that if the people are listening and you happen to be involved with a youth group or you happen to be involved with any other organization at a parish, uh, and this is being broadcast from San Diego through Los Angeles, a lot of people that are listening right now, if you're the first 1,000 people, and that would include whoever's in your group, to call in and order those tickets, or not call in, but to, to log in and order those tickets, you can get the hat and you can get the opportunity to go on the ice. Uh, but it's only for that first 1,000 people that they need to get move. That's on. right. That's right. So, again, if they're interested in doing that, to going to Catholic Night, uh, anaheimducks.com slash Catholic Night, and they'll so, be able to take part in that. Rick, what, what makes it Catholic Night, though? I mean, this is what's really important. These things that we just spoke about, these are important, and I think it, they're, they're motivation enough to have people go. But what really turns me on about this evening is the fact that that evening we're going to have Rosary Academy singing the national anthem. We're going to have... Um, St. Catherine's yes, Academy Saint, being the uh, color guard. They'll be the color guard, St. Catherine's Academy. They're fantastic. And uh, during the intermission, well, one of the intermissions, where you're going to be able to see uh, Bishop riding on the Zamboni, which will be fun. <laughs> and and, and during, during the intermission, after they clean the ice, we're going to have... A comp- kind of a competition. We'll have a, like a skills contest that that will involve all four of our high school hockey teams. So, oh, cool. you, yeah. So you have Jay, Sarah, Modern Day, Servite, and and Santa, and Santa Margarita. They're all you know going to be out there on the ice in their uniforms, having a great time. And you can witness this. So, so not only that. But while you're there, I mean, here you are with you know eighteen thousand people and up on the scoreboard and all the the video uh, panels surrounding the arena you're going to see catholic night you know i mean it's it's catholic 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 and that's huge you'll see it inside uh honda center you'll also see it outside on the big screens so you can feel proud to be catholic that night i mean very proud to be catholic what i like about this especially in the context of what we've been talking about for the last hour is that this kind of reminds me of the complete package of why we're here at the cathedral. It's about Mass. It's about the centrality of, of God present in the Mass. But what do we do at the end of Mass? We get our blessing, and then we're told Mass is over. Now, go into the world and take this with you. That's right. And that's what we're doing. So that we, if you come to this campus, if you take part in these programs, if you're involved with what's going on, there is the beautiful experience of being able to go to Mass at one of the most beautiful cathedrals in the world, to be able to go and see artwork that is meditative and conducive to opening your heart and soul to Christ in ways that unless you've looked at Michelangelo, it's hard to do. To be able to experience this this 30-plus acre campus and the beauty that's behind it and the beauty of being in Southern California. I'm sorry, but the weather is just great. Hmm. Uh, this is the hardest winters you'll ever go through. 
and then to be able to go in with fellowship out into the world to go to a, an opportunity like Catholic Night of the Ducks. It's all about what Catholicism is all about, Jesus Christ, both in Mass and into the world. It's, it's interesting you mentioned Mass. We had a conversation this year. We, we were talking initially, trying to figure out how to do this, Rick. I was really hoping we could somehow integrate a Mass into this evening at the Honda Center. And the folks, i got to tell you, I admire the folks in the Ducks front office, their marketing folks and all. They they were working with us. They were trying to figure out how can we do it. We just couldn't pull it off, like on the ice, because you know before the game you have the teams have to practice and what have you. And there wasn't another venue inside the Honda Center, and it probably could rain or be cold outside because of the time of year to have it out there. But it would have been great, you know, to to be able to celebrate the Eucharist together and then have the fellowship and the fun inside watching the Ducks uh, take on the Colorado Avalanche. Well, we can uh, we can reverse it because this is going to be Friday. So people true. can go to the Ducks on Friday, have their tickets to go see the exhibit here on Saturday, and then they can take the Mass go. on Sunday. That, You've got a complete pilgrimage weekend and all through the Diocese of Orange. Great itinerary and agenda. I like, I like that a Absolutely. lot. I want to thank you both for coming in and talking a little bit about what's been going on here at the Diocese of Orange and specifically how Christ is using this cathedral and this campus and the people involved with it to be able to touch uh, so many people, both those who live here and those who visit Southern California, so that we can be a beacon of hope to the people around us. I've had a good time. Thank you very much for coming. I think we've had a great time. (laughs) You'll come back again and give us updates from time to time. Happy to do so. By the way, one last update. This is really a big one. This is going to be news for a lot of your listeners. Um, The Anaheim Ducks just agreed to become a sponsor for our extended stay of the Sistine Chapel exhibition. Oh, very cool. So we're going to be uh, shortly placing their logo on our ticketing (laughs) website and what have you. And they're going to be supporting uh, our our event here on campus. So that's really big. I'm thrilled. That is absolutely fantastic. Again, I want to thank you, um, Gabriella, for coming in. And you, Hank, for coming in and sharing with us. Would you be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to speak, to speak on your behalf and to share your word and to hopefully allow the faith in you to grow among all the listeners on Rick's show. We thank you for all that you've given us and we ask you to bless us in the days ahead. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Gabriella Dominic and Hank Evers from the Department of Marketing here at the Diocese of Orange. And we have been talking about some fantastic opportunities. If you would like to find out more information, you can find that at the diocesan website, rcbo.org. And if you would like to listen to this again or share this broadcast with anybody who might be interested, especially in some of the information on how to encounter Christ at these exhibits and activities, you can go to OCCatholic.com and go to the radio website. And there we have a number of different radio programs, including this, the Orange County Catholic Radio Show, and you can listen to the podcast again. Again, I'm Rick Howick, and we will see you again next week.